Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for the 2019 year-end edition of the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I am your host, Ken. I'm joining me in studio as always. It's the reigning, defending, locks and leaps champion, Padawan J. Two Tom. Two Tom. Uh, despite rumors to the contrary, I, unlike Kobe Bryant, do not speak Slovenian, so I can't converse with Luka Doncic in his native tongue, although that must be awesome. It definitely has to be. Yeah. No, that was, that was a surprise. Yeah, Kobe is just Kobe, man. Kobe can do anything. Kobe is the man. And conspicuous by his absence this week is your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Yeah, uh, we're waiting on reports. We, we, we've heard some rumors, some speculation, you know, that he's either on his way to South Bend, Indiana to hop on a float for the Notre Dame victory parade for their, their bowl win. Congratulations to them. Or he's he's either there or on his way uh, to East Rutherford, New Jersey, to uh, hand in his resume to coach the New York football giants. We're, we're waiting on some reports uh, to find out where he is. Yeah, there's some speculation going around. There was talk that a resume was discovered this weekend. Yeah. So I'm not sure what that means exactly. Coach will have to elaborate with us. Hit him up on Twitter at CoachDuffy11. And he will definitely tell you about his whereabouts for that. But we also want you to join in the conversation with us. So OchoDuroParleyHour.com for all our social media links. And always use the hashtag ODPH in the conversation. Because we have a lot to discuss for the year-end edition. Mm-hmm. And let's go right into it. Locks and Leaps, final week. Yep. Pad brought home the chip. In Again. A very highly contested bout with Rich from 3FN. Yeah. yeah. So, Pad, since you got the chip two-time. Two time. Two time. Why don't you kick us off? Uh, yeah, so for my lock, I decided to take the New Orleans Saints to defeat the Carolina Panthers. I believe when I took the pick, they were favored by 10 points. That did not matter because, my God, to quote Coach Duffy, they put a whooping on them. Final score was 42-10. to 10. Uh, Drew Brees, 19 of 30 for 253 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Kyle Allen, uh, 25 of 41 for 295 yards passing, zero touchdowns, one interception. Now, this was a whooping, as Coach yeah. says. Oh, my God. And for the Saints, you got to feel good going into the playoffs now. I was like, they were firing on all cylinders because first quarter you put up two scores and Carolina puts up nothing. And then in the second quarter you put up three scores and Carolina puts up a field goal. So you're going into the half like, hey, we've put up, we've put up five scores or whatever it is, and and they've only kicked a field goal. We're doing pretty good. Right. The Saints looked on all cylinders. I oh, mean, yeah. Drew Brees was Drew Brees, 253-3. and three. Mm-hmm. And Kamara finally came alive for fantasy owners if anybody had a game left this week. And how scary is it that, you know, they looked this good. Now, granted, I get it's Carolina. Carolina's not the best. But how scary is it that, that you've got the receiving core of, of New Orleans and how good they're looking at all, all off, offensive cylinders, you know, and that you got the reports that they worked out Antonio Brown and that they were absolutely blown away and that they'd sign him, but the only thing hanging up, you know, the, the whole train is what is his status with the week. How scary is that? It is quite scary if yeah. he does get back to being the old Antonio Brown. Yeah. But if he goes in that locker room and destroys it like he's – left a trail mm-hmm. in every locker room he's been in. Maybe except the Patriots, but the Patriots are smart enough to cover it up. Yeah. 
it's a very telling thing if they can get him there and get him back to old AB. If he's up to his antics, which yeah. I can't see the Saints and the culture they have down there tolerating that. Right. Uh, so if he's back to playing football and the other nonsense is handled for whatever it's going to be, you know, concerning his locker room etiquette and the other off-field issues, he needs to be proven innocent before he is allowed back on the field. He's essentially got to go in there. If, if the NFL ends up coming back and saying, okay, hey, you're good to sign him, they got to go in with, like, a laundry list of things that, like, need done by him, and that's, like, including 24-7 access to his phone. Like, okay, we want to make sure you're not screwing this up in any way, shape, or form. Oh, yeah, he's going to have a very short leash. I mean, the fact that he's even gotten this far with all the nonsense he's mm-hmm. done, I mean, I was very shocked that they even gave him a workout, to be honest yeah. with you. Because with all the drama, and mm-hmm. like I say, he has to be proven completely innocent yeah. for me to co-sign on him getting back in the league. Yeah. I, I just, at this moment, I, I don't feel comfortable doing that. No, neither do I. So if, like I said, if they can somehow get him back to old AB, everything is cleared, then the Saints will be that much scarier. Mm-hmm. I, I'd say, though, getting back to the Saints in their game, I think the one thing they need to definitely work on you know, before they get going in their playoff run, has got to be the the running side of the ball because okay, great, Drew Brees, two hundred and fifty three yards. You know, Traquan Smith was their leading receiver with fifty six yards. Taysom Hill, fifty four, excuse me, forty five yards. Jared Cook, forty four yards. Running side of the ball was atrocious. Latavius Murray was their leading rusher, seventeen carries on sixty one yards, uh, no touchdowns, averaged three point six yards per game. Alvin Kamara, you know, the fantasy stud. You know, Mister, get your points worth, get your money's worth in fantasy football. Uh, eight carries for 39 yards and two touchdowns. But he's still got those two touchdowns. That's yeah. why I said he's back, in, he's back in swing. So, I mean, for anybody that was having a Super Bowl this weekend, they had to be feeling very confident with him in that lineup. Yeah. But it goes to show what they the Saints have built down there. And like I say, I think it was more puzzling. They gave A.B. a tryout, but it is what it is, and it's not going to really help him this year because even if he does somehow – miraculously get cleared of everything, mm-hmm. he's not going to be allowed to play in the playoffs we'll this say, year. And, hey, one bright spot for Carolina this year. Uh, Shout-out Christian McCaffrey. Uh, eclipsed 1,000 yards this year in rushing. Well, that was the only bright spot of Carolina, yeah. looking back at yeah. it. I mean, their coach, they let go of Ron Rivera mid, you know, earlier in the season. Already looking like he's going to land in uh, Washington to coach the Redskins, according to reports. Yeah, which... I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not sure either. I really don't. It's, watch. it's a very tenuous, you know, situation in in Washington. There's there's a lot of upheaval, you know, on the field in the front office, and you'd think he'd want to go into something maybe a little more stable. Yeah, that's one thing that anybody going in that uh, job environment needs to kind of take in the back of their head. Yeah, you still have Dan Snyder as your owner. Yeah, Bruce Allen's gone as GM mm-hmm. for how? I mean, what is there? Fifteen years at least. Something like that. So it's going to be a change of culture and identity in Washington. Mm-hmm. So for Rivera, we wish him good luck if, yeah. that is, if that is the case, except I thought it was a little crazy. He's already signed and they didn't do any more interviews, but yeah, to well, each their own. I mean, I guess you know the NFL is the NFL. It's a weird well, place. The NFL is the NFL, but also at the same time, it's not like you know these other head coaching candidates where you Josh McDaniels and you know all these other candidates like they got to get permission from the team they're working for to interview them, and then usually they got to wait till the end of their playoff run. Rivera's without a job, so they could have been working on this in the interim. You know, however, a couple weeks after he got let go from Carolina. Right, but I just wasn't sure with like with the Rooney rule and all that yeah. comes with oh, it. Oh yeah, like yeah. how suddenly he gets a job because I don't think that's fair. And it, yeah. like I say, it is what it is. 
I just have a lot of like, hmm, about this. The timing's odd. The timing is extremely odd because the season is less than 24 hours completed. Yeah, not even. And you're already linking a head coach has now become the head coach. Right. Like I say, the, the NFL is just a weird place sometimes. A little bit. So, obviously, with the Saints going into the playoffs, they got to feel, like I said, extremely good about this. The Antonio Brown situation, and I can't stress it enough, I can't co-sign on the move right now. Obviously, with what his off-field shenanigans have yeah. been, to put it in mildly. Yeah. And like I said, unless he's proven innocent without a shadow of a doubt, I can't co-sign on this move. Well, so I, I, I definitely can't co-sign on it either. If for nothing else, then like there's the laundry list of things he's done that like you got to take a long, hard look at the guy and you need to get and even some promises or some guarantees from him wouldn't be enough for me. Yeah. This, like, I don't know what you could do or what you could get from him that for at least for me would be like, you know, what? okay. I'm going to trust this guy because he went to New England and New England's supposed to be the, the be all end all. Yeah. If you can't get fixed here, you can't get fixed anywhere. Exactly. And the fact. Hello, that, Albert Hainsworth. Right. The Patriots have that culture built in place. You know, the the whole do your job mentality mm-hmm. that you keep all your baggage outside of the team. Yeah. And obviously, as the one game he played for him. You figured, okay, there's more that is coming out about him, that there's some character issues that sure. need to get addressed. So, like I say, unless he's proven innocent without a shadow of a doubt, I can't co-sign on this. I'm surprised the Saints did because you have Michael Thomas on there. I mean, mm-hmm. you have the best wide receiver in the league yeah. statistically. Why would you want to bring Antonio Brown and that nonsense into your locker room? But I digress. I'm not running a team. I just sit home and, and commentate one. So, that being said, the Saints have locked in their playoff position. Uh, who do they have first round, Pat? Uh, they've got the Minnesota Vikings at home uh, on Sunday, January 5th, uh, game time, 105 Eastern, and that is on Fox. So that'll be a very tough competition for Minnesota's been yeah. playing good. Uh, I w- will say right now I'd have to take the Saints. Yeah. I don't really trust Kirk Cousins in a shootout with Drew Brees <laughs> under any circumstance. There are a few people in the league I trust against Drew Brees in a shootout. Yeah. There's, it's a short list. And Minnesota's defense, while it's good, I just don't think that... Drew Brees you, you in the playoffs. Blow, yeah, you can't go blow for blow with in, Drew Brees. In, in the Superdome. Exactly. So, enough said about that. Pat, what you got next? Yep, for uh, for my leap, uh, I was unfortunately wrong, which means the next time I see Nostradogmus, I might be going through a table, so this might be the last you hear of me. Uh, I chose the Seattle Seahawks to defeat the San Francisco 49ers at home, and I was wrong. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers ended up defeating the Seattle Seahawks 26-21. to uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, 18-22 of 22 for 285 yards passing, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Russell Wilson, 25-40 of 40 for 233 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Absolutely wild game. Uh, Nostradamus, the minute that Marshawn Lynch was officially signed, mm-hmm. he was on route to Seattle or someplace to watch the game. So yeah. We haven't been able to get a hold of him. And definitely this was the game of the weekend by far. Well, it's funny. We were, I know we were talking last week because it was kind of rumored that he might be signing him and, you know, what kind of shapes he's going to be in. It was funny. Like, the the agent or trainer i think it was a trainer for marshawn must have heard like all the chatter online and posted a video that like marshawn called him up two weeks beforehand and basically went into the gym and do workouts and stuff and then even took like the boxing gloves and then like the, the gloves you hit you hit with mm. and just like stood there and was just beating the holy you know what out of him for two weeks well that's the thing you knew with marshawn coming back that he was going to be definitely ready to play mm-hmm. that i think that he takes it very seriously and he wasn't going to just come in for a paycheck 
He wants to come in because he loves playing football. Yeah. He's just he's a very eccentric cat in his own right. So obviously, I mean, look, look at his uh, first press conference back with the Seahawks. Yeah, like I say, he, <laughs> Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, have a good day. He's a different kind of dude, and that's the easiest way to describe uh, him. Yeah. So obviously, him coming back to Seattle was a big uplifting moment, and this was a game that we really saw what the NFC has to offer because San Francisco the entire season has been a pleasant surprise. I'll say they're seven, they're thirteen and three, and then seven and one on the road. Yeah, which is absurd. It's very absurd because. They don't really have a superstar in that lineup no. except maybe uh, Kittle. Yeah, at, no, at yeah, and Kittle's kind of like an emerging superstar. It's not one that like okay, if you're a fantasy guy, you might have known the name, but like this is a name that even casual fans that like okay, you'll watch a game here or there. You might watch the four thirty game or the Sunday night game, but like you might not know every name. No, this is one that like he's emerging this year. Oh yeah, he's definitely emerging, and that defense too is just so solid with Bosa and. Mm-hmm. and I, if you're Arizona, you, I mean, you gotta be happy you took Murray in the first or is the first overall. But man, Frisco has got to be so much happier that you took him in the first. Yeah, no, this is a case where like, okay, both sides might end up working, but just San Francisco's paying out right now. Yeah, because Bosa is just playing out of his mind, yeah. and like he should get Rookie of the Year. Oh, in, easily in, in my easily opinion, in my opinion, that should be a lock pretty much for him. We'll say and have a game. Debo Samuel uh, two carries for thirty three yards on the rushing side passing side he had five catches for 102 yards Debo has been the emerging superstar for that team holy cow yeah I don't think I don't think people give enough credit to Frisco about that and what they have on offense because Samuel has carried that team I mean Uh Sanders coming there has definitely helped out Jimmy G because he has a true true number one but going into this game though the fact that Frisco jumped out to that early lead at half they were up 13 nothing yeah Give credit to the Seahawks because it's one thing we've said on the show many times. They don't quit. No. And Pete Carroll has instilled that mentality to the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. That they just do not quit at all. And then coming back, though, they definitely came out swinging in the second half, and that's where Russell Wilson really took off and did Russell Wilson thing. Oh, I guess of course. the easiest way you could describe it. Yeah. And then going into this second half, they really took everything that Frisco had to offer because Frisco was up 20-7 to 7 at one point. Let's mm-hmm. not forget. They still swung in there, and they and they definitely had the great game. I mean, Beastmo got his touchdown in. Oh yeah! So definitely, that got the crowd back into the game because the minute we'll say he, first carry, they were screaming. Yeah, they were absolutely screaming their heads off. They were definitely psyched and they were ready to roll. And this is one thing when you can get Seattle going in that direction at home, they are just extremely tough to beat. Well, and especially give a shout out to the 49ers defense. It was that like fourth and one, fourth and whatever it was, and you knew the ball was going to beast mode. And they stuffed him. Oh, the biggest stop of oh, their season. Jesus. I mean, in my opinion, that stop just really rocks Seattle. Yeah. Because you would think that, well, Marshawn on a one-yard line. Is, Beast Quake, you know, oh, they should have run it from the one. They shouldn't have passed it in the Super Bowl. You got Beast. Like, everything that everyone says, you know, while true, Seattle, you know, San Fran didn't blink. No, they didn't blink. And that's the one true test that you see with this rivalry that looks like it's restarting now, finally. I would say so. That you have Frisco not backing down right in Seattle, right in the middle of the 11th man squad right there. 12th man, rather. 12th man. They didn't blink. No. And and they kept coming, going right into that fourth quarter. That you haven't seen that in a very long time out of them, that they were just the swagger they were coming in with. Yeah. 
I mean, it was just phenomenal to see him go. No, that, that, that's kind of what surprised me with Debo Samuel. Looking at the stats, you know, five catches, 102 yards, like I mentioned. You know, on the year, nothing really spectacular. Three touchdowns, uh, 802 yards, you know, averaging 14.1 yards per game. But bear in mind, he was drafted out of South Carolina in the second round of this year's draft. Yeah. Going into Seattle on Sunday night, arguably the biggest game of their season. And you go into the twelfth man, you know, one of the loudest places to play in the NFL, if not North American sports, and you just don't blink and you put up a hundred yards catching. Holy cow! It's absolutely phenomenal to see what he's done. Yeah, and like I say, he's done it very quietly under the radar. And then say what you will that when it came down to that, you know, final drive that Seattle had in the fourth quarter. There, mm-hmm. I mean, Wilson was trying to do Wilson magic, and you oh, thought yeah. when they got down close enough, he was going to do it. But give credit to where it's due. Yeah, that the Frisco defense held up, and they just made the stop of stops. Mm-hmm. That, you know, when you thought it was the clock was ticking down there, too, especially, and Wilson was trying to get everybody back up to the line. Right. And then, obviously, with the game on the line, and everybody has to remember, this is going to be basically for the number one seat. Too, right. Elite, because, I mean, this had playoff implications all through it. This was where things just were so interesting to see how Seattle was going to go about this, Mm -hmm. and then how Frisco was going to go handle this. Right. And then, sure enough, when they got the stop in the end zone, that was the biggest deal, that when Frisco showed up and did what they needed to do. And granted, everybody's kind of questioning about calls and no calls. Right. You can't put yourself in that position because, you know what, this is one of those situations where the referees, I thought, was going to swallow the whistle anyway. Right, and it's one of those situations where you know we say with MMA, you know, don't leave it up to the up to the judges. The same can be said with football. You know, okay, yeah, a no call, bad call is not great, but at the same token, you shouldn't have put yourself in that position where it came down to that one call. Right, and especially the big stop when Wilson had that touchdown, and you want to talk about it when the uh, 49ers linebackers really just swarmed the ball and blocked that ball going in. Greenlaw mm-hmm. made the biggest stop. Like, let's say, football is a game of inches, and you see where this comes right down to the line. And when they stopped him on oh, that, yeah. forget about it. So, I mean, you just have to be, for the Niners, you have to be ecstatic about everything. Yeah. And then, this, like I said, the fact that they stopped yet again, another run in that thing. Like I said, the Greenwall stop was more bigger, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Because you knew that they were going to try making another QB sneak in and, or just go over the line. So everybody knew the ball was going over the middle. Oh, and yeah. I think, do you think, let me ask you this, being the Patriots fan. Sure. Do you think they were scared to try doing a pass that close to the end zone? Absolutely. I agree, too. Absolutely. I agree, too. The, the ghost of Malcolm Butler haunts them. I I think so, too. I should note he's not dead, but you get what I mean. Exactly. No, but, I mean, Wilson, like I said, 233-2, and two, especially when he came out late. Marshawn, great game to come back with. Yeah. They have nothing to sneeze about. They have nothing to be look, looking down upon. And for, like I said, the Niners, for Garoppolo putting up 285, not flashy. Yeah. But, you know, Moser, you know, fifty-seven and two, not the not the worst stat line no. at, at the mean. And like I said, Debo Samuel, who I gotta say is gotta be, gotta be rookie of the year. He's in contention. They have a lot to sit back this week and watch. Yeah, no, especially Seattle. They got to go into Philly on Sunday, the fifth of January. Uh, game time supposed to be four forty, but you know, if the earlier game goes a little long, it might be a little later. Uh, that is Eastern time, and the game is on NBC. Right. So Seattle, I I, I like Seattle too. Going going out to Philly. Yeah. I nothing against Philly, and I know we'll hear about it from a few uh, few of our fellow pods. I mean, what up, Bill and Frankie? Pop culture, um, 
But for me, and Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming is going to chime in about this as well, Seattle is just playing at such a high level. Like, this was just... This could have been your NFC Championship game. Right, and, and, and Russell Wilson is also one of those quarterbacks. Uh, say what you will about his regular season performance, good, bad, or otherwise. He's a different cat when it comes to the playoffs. That yeah. like he, He's got that switch that, oh, playoff time, go time. Yeah, absolutely. So you have to take that into mind. And like I said, for the 49ers, they're going to sit back this week and just watch and just you know, count their blessings. They got that number one seed. Yeah, yeah. Because I tell you what, they're going to be ready to go next weekend. Mm-hmm. This weekend, they're going to kind of kick back and relax. But the, trust me, whoever's coming out of this, and if it has to be Seattle again, because what seed are they now? They are the fifth seed. So hypothetically saying, if the Saints beat the Vikings mm-hmm. and Seattle beats the Philly or Philly Eagles there, mm-hmm. you're going to have a rematch. Oh, because it's the lowest seed goes to the number one seed. This is true. So, like I said, uh, Philadelphia has got to do something uh, to kind of avoid this because I tell you what, I don't think any team really wants to be facing the 49ers right now. No. I think they're more excited to face Green Bay, to be honest with you. Probably. Green Bay did not impress me this week, and they they win too close to the wire for mm-hmm. me. So, I'm telling you, this weekend... It's going to be some fun, fun football. Mm-hmm. So that being said, I mean, we both shared on uh, the leap this week. Right. So the lock, I don't think I need to really address too much. I mean, the Colts, what can you really say? The season was basically a wash and getting smoked by Jacksonville with Doug Marone on his way out the door. Let's say the 10th seed uh, team in the AFC lost to the 12th seed AFC team. Yeah, so I'm going to actually pass that. So let's talk about those Philadelphia Eagles, shall yeah, we? Yeah, because this, this game had a lot of implications in it. You know, kind of sucks that both games were, you know, this game and then the, the Cowboys game was on Fox because the Eagles and the Cowboys were both going up for the NFC East title. You know, it was wild. We here in the Northeast had the Eagles game on because, well, Giants. And it was fun to watch this game, especially because uh, I don't remember what site it was or what where it was they had this going from. They had, a, like, a percentage going of, like, what percentage chance the Eagles would have to make the playoffs. And any time they would cut away to like a highlight or something from the Dallas game, they would have an updated percentage of like, all right, the, you know, this was the Eagles percent chance to make it in the playoffs before the game. This is their, their percentage. Now it was, it was fun to watch, uh, but the Eagles ended up defeating the New York giants by the final score of 34 to 17. Uh, Carson Wentz, 23 of 40 for one touchdown and no interceptions. Daniel Jones, uh, 28 of 47 for 301 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Two words for you. Mm-hmm. Boston Scott. Yes. Holy cow. Who? Uh, yeah, no, exactly. Who? <laughs> like, I'm so, like, I've never heard this player announced before. And yet, alone, 54 and 3 yeah. out of nowhere. And well, now- yeah, because they're, they're starting rusher for Philly. Uh, Miles Sanders ended up going down with an injury. I want to say it was like the second or third quarter, whatever it was. But yeah, no, lo and behold, Boston Scott comes in, uh, second year running back out of Louisiana Tech. Uh, you know, comes in and, you know, 19 carries, 54 yards, three touchdowns. You know, a rags to riches story got drafted by, I don't remember who they said, but was on the practice squad, got signed by the Eagles, you know, really hadn't seen a whole lot of action. I mean, you look at his season stats, he's got 61 attempts for 245 yards and five touchdowns. Two thirds of those are yesterday. Yeah. So now a man has become a legend overnight. The man for at least a week won't have to buy any drinks in Philly. If he screws up on Sunday, he'll be booed. Oh, they'll run, they'll they'll he'll be run booed him out ruthlessly. Of they'll run him out of town if yeah, he screws yeah. up this oh, weekend. Yeah. So what, what else can you really say? Philly did what Philly needed to do. 
the Giants, and you can go back through our archive of episodes this season, and you can hear the disdain in Coach Duffy's voice talking about those Giants yeah, yeah. and how bad they were. And obviously, the axe came down on Pat Shermer today. Yep. So, Coach Duffy might be the new head coach next season. We don't know. They're going to be going through the interview process. <laughs> we know what will happen if he is. They're going to hand the ball off to Daniel to uh, Saquon Barkley a lot. Yeah, it's going to be smash-mouth football at MetLife. Mm-hmm. Enough said about that. But going in with this, it was a rivalry weekend because there was a lot of division games going on. And Daniel Jones, 301-1, and yeah. not, not the worst stat line. Right, and, and Philly, you know, congrats on the win. But, you know, I'm a little skeptical, obviously a little skeptical because they're in the NFC East, the worst division in all of football. You know, you got a 9-17 and going into the playoffs, which isn't good. <laughs> Excuse me. But the fact that it took them till the fourth quarter to really get it going, like three, you know, for the Eagles, three nothing after the first, uh, 10 to three after at halftime. And then the Giants put up two scores in the third. The Philly put up one. And then Philly decided to put up 17 points in the fourth quarter. Though. Like it took them till the fourth quarter to really get it going and figure things out. Like, hello, this is the Giants. I Coach Duffy could go on a, a entire hour and a half rant if he were here about how bad they are. This is one thing with division games and division rivalries that it doesn't matter how bad the teams are. Mm-hmm. They'll step up for those games. Yeah. Not to throw salt in the wound. But oh, yeah. Miami and the Patriots. Oh, yeah. And even the Jets beating the lowly depleted Bills squad decided to sit everybody, and thank God they did because I had visions of Josh Allen getting injured for this game. Oh, yeah. I And the minute he got out of the game, I turned off. I'm like, Matt Barkley's in. I don't care about this game. For Philly, though, I guess you kind of have to be a little skeptical. But then again, it at least showed the Giants were playing yeah. and really yeah. took this game seriously. They're playing with some heart. Yeah, which you want to see because obviously the season's been garbage. Yeah, it's, it's been to hot, say the least. It's been hot garbage. And you have a lot of work to do this offseason, whatever head coach you get in. I would think Mike McCarthy would be the top name on the board. Yeah. He is I, available. I know there's some talk about Jason Garrett. But it, but as we sit here recording, he's still currently employed by the Dallas Cowboys. So Right, which... Names are cool and all, but he's still employed by somebody else. Exactly, and, and I don't see Jerry doing a trade. And, oh, uh, that'd be wild. Doing something absolutely bonkers like that. That'd be wild. Yeah, which I, I just... Especially to your division rival. That, that would, yeah, no, there's no way. There's, there's no way that's happening. There's no way. And for the Giants, I mean, is Garrett the guy you really want? You have to look at his track record, what he's had in Dallas, but he's also had one of, if not the best offensive line in the league for years now. Well, I think it just goes back to something Coach Duffy said. I can't remember if he said it on air or off air, but like Garrett is really good at building things up from absolute garbage. But when it comes time to, okay, you got all the pieces to the Lamborghini, you got the Lamborghini built, now drive it. And, and you know he goes to drive it and he can't turn the darn thing on. Yeah, when you have all the parts to really succeed and you fail, and, it, and like I say, some of it has to go on him. A lot has yeah. to go on underperformance at key moments. Yeah, and it's one of those things. You know, he's got a very good quarterback. You know, you know, I get Dak's performance has been spotty at best, but he's still very good. He's very serviceable. He's got a good running back. He's got arguably maybe one of the best receiving cores in all of football. When you look at, you know, they got Gallup, Amari Cooper, Randall Cobb. You know, and just like you said, that offensive line, like they should be putting up points like nobody's business. But you look at their game yesterday, they put up and we'll talk about this game in a minute. They put up 47 points. That was the most points they put up all year. And they waited until the last game of the year. Yeah. So 
really at this stage, I mean, the game was on the line. They needed to win that one. Yeah. And they did what they needed to do against Washington. Oh, yeah. But too little, too late. I mean, you put yourself in that kind of perspective, you're not going to pull this off. No. And you needed a lot of luck. You needed a lowly Giants team to pull a miracle out. Well, so you need to go to like a witch doctor and start making like deals with them. Yeah, like you needed something to happen that just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And Dallas, like I say, I think you do have to get rid of uh, Garrett as your coach. Uh-huh. I don't think there's any proper way to keep him on at this stage. You need, oh, yeah. You need to do something to shake it up, and failure to do it is just not going to make it happen. Oh, yeah. So that being said, they need to make that switch. Uh, if they get Freddie Kitchens... <laughs> I will completely rip them apart the entire season next year. I mean, I made that joke with somebody, but I don't think it'll actually happen. Oh, my God. I, I made that joke this morning to somebody. I was like, oh, what are the odds they hire Freddie Kitchens? I want to touch upon this like when we get a sack, too, about Kitchens. Okay. But let, let's just sum this up. Philly, congratulations. You locked up the worst division in the league. You won the golden trash bag. Exactly. You have a Seattle team that is coming off a very, they're hot. very tough loss, but they're one of the hottest teams in the league. If you are going to make anybody uh, con- uh, convinced that you are a contender, you need to make a statement win this weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to happen. I just no. don't think that this this Philly team is ready for that, but prove me wrong. Yeah. I'd love to be proved wrong about this. So we'll have to wait and see about that. If we're going to talk about Dallas, I mean, what can you say about that stat line, Pat? Uh, Dallas ended up winning the game 47-16, to 16, uh, doing what they needed to. However, like we said, Philly won, so they did not win the division. Uh, which how wild would it have been if Dallas won the division at eight and eight, and you would have had an eight and eight team making it in the playoffs? Just wild. Uh, Dak Prescott, twenty three of thirty three for three hundred and three yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Case Keenum, eighteen of thirty seven for two hundred and six yards, one touchdown, one interception. And Ezekiel Elliott, eighteen for one twenty two and one. Yeah, and then Michael Gallup, uh, five catches for ninety eight yards and three touchdowns. So Dallas did what they should have done all season. Yeah. This is, should be a Dallas score every week. You have that much talent on your offense. Right, and I mean, I'm looking at their rec- their schedule from this season. They had a week uh, six loss against the Jets, which they should have won. Uh, then they also had a week 14 loss against the Chicago Bears, which should have won. Uh, you know, so there's in the other ones. Okay, they lost to New Orleans and Green Bay, but you know who's you know, should have beat them? That's hard to say. But the Jets aren't all that great. Chicago's god awful. Those are two teams that you should have beaten, and you would again would have been in maybe a little rougher, rough situation going into this weekend or this past weekend. But it wouldn't have have been as bad as what you were in. Yeah, just Dallas. <laughs> I mean, we always say, "Who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta?" Dallas. We know what you are. Yeah, underperforming, underachieving, yeah, very much so. And it has to go on Garrett's shoulders. And and here's the other thing you got to wonder: they still haven't paid Dak. Dak still needs his new deal. And he's very very salty about that. I don't know if you've seen some of those press conferences. Yeah. Which yeah. I I can't. Okay, I can fault him to a degree because if he still thinks he's going to get forty million dollars. You forty million dollars. Put him in concussion protocol. Yeah, he's out of his mind. Yeah, I mean, for the season he had four thousand nine hundred and two yards, which was good for second in the league. Thirty touchdowns, which was good for fourth in the league. Eleven interceptions, which was good for nineteenth in the league. Uh, and his QBR was seventy point six, uh, which was good for fourth in the league. Like I think, good numbers, but again, your team was eight and eight. Yeah, should he get paid? Yes. I will be the first one to say he should get paid. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd be okay if he got somewhere around $20, 25000000 a year. Sure. I'd, I, I, I could handle it 
Uh, sure. The only, the only way I could stomach, you know, the numbers he's talking is if they went like 13 and 3, you know, 14 and 2, something absurd. And he set like a single season passing yards record, single oh, yeah. season touchdowns record, you know, fewest interceptions in a season. Like he, he was just putting up mad numbers. I'm mean, like, no, yeah, pay the guy. But they were average. Yeah. Well, statistically. They were enough that he's around the 20, 25 mil range. Yeah. I will say that. I mean, you look at the other quarterbacks that are in that range, and Pat, I'm not going to ask you to look for him. No, oh, yeah. But if you look statistically to those guys getting paid around that neck of the woods, Dak is in that conversation. And statistically, he's put up those numbers. What I think is going to happen with him is you're going to franchise him, which is going to tick him the heck off. Mm-hmm. And with everything going on with you just gave Ezekiel at $60 million, or whatever you paid him, yeah, you are going to say I don't have enough money for you, the guy who's been leading my team, who has been the model cowboy, yeah, for, for since he's took the starting rollover. I can understand why Dak has been a little. Just for the record, uh, for in terms of average salary, twenty five million would put him in the Derek Carr or Drew Brees territory. And you know what? I will say at this stage. I'm okay with that. Even with Breeze's numbers, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. And I think that Dak deserves that. But I'm still going to say he has got to be so mad at the organization if they can't come to a deal. And if they franchise him, mm-hmm. especially, like I said, he's done everything they've asked him to do. And they get, But he gave they gave him weapons to, to get this done with. Yeah, The play calling, it has to come down to either Kellen Moore or Garrett. One of them's got to go, if not both of them's got to go. Oh, yeah. No, I, I would imagine both of them are going to go. Just because you look at, okay, they had good games, but by and large, their offense was just bad. Yeah. And, and it comes down to, I think Garrett's got to go, and I think Moore's got to go as well. you got to change everything. Yeah, you absolutely have to. I mean, there's no no way around it. that You have to really change something there, and something big has to happen. There's not enough money to go around for all those players. No. So either you try getting Elliott to restructure his deal, which good luck. Yeah. Or you have to give Dak a reasonable incentive laced contract around the twenty, twenty five mil a year range, because he's earned it. Yeah. And then you try getting players to compensate what you have left in the cap. You'll have all off season to do it. But when you have to make a coaching decision, at this stage you gotta get rid of Garrett. I I cannot fathom you keeping him around under any circumstance. And I think it's time for a change. Now, whoever takes that over. Freddie Kitchens. Uh, I tell you what, if it's him, I will go completely bananas on the Cowboys. Like, that will go to, like, Dolphins level uh-huh. of just sheer anger. I mean, shout out to Robin's dad from uh, Black Case Diaries. Because Browns are, like, a second team to me. Mm-hmm. And I know he's, he's a Browns fan from what I've been told by Robin. And I understand his, his pain this season. Because the Browns at least were smart enough. They have all the talent in the world, and they got rid of Kitchens after how many times have they caught him on camera saying, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, more than once. Right. So that being said, you have all that talent in the world. You only produce a six-win season. Mm-hmm. It falls on you. I'm not wishing anybody to get fired, but if the Browns are going to step forward, they made the right decision. You got beat by the Bengals, who had nothing to play for. No. And the Browns, I mean, obviously, they had just pride to play for and just losing to the worst team in the league. Yeah. Who is going to have the number one draft pick. Like, they had the number one draft pick locked up before this game. This game had no, you know, terms of, like, 
you know, anything to do with that pick. Yeah. It was already done, dealed, signed, and delivered. You know, they're on the clock. So they were just playing for house money. They're like, yeah, we're just playing for pride. Yeah. But you get smoked by your cross uh, cross state rival. Yeah. Something had to give. And I, like I say, I'm sorry to see Kitchens go to get fired. I don't like seeing anybody get fired, but he can't be a head coach. He just, it showed, he just, there's signs that he wasn't controlling that team. Yeah. All those egos. Oh, you, God. You need a strong presence in that locker room. You need a Belichick. Re- you need a Tomlin. You need, you know, even a Sean Payton. Yeah, you need somebody. I mean, I, I would think McCarthy would be a really good fit there if he wanted to go there. McCarthy would be good, but you also, and I know I said this, I think it was on last week's show. McCarthy would be good, but you also need a veteran to step up in that locker room and play leader. Yeah. To, to if you got a, teammate you know talking some crap and and really giving some bulletin board material for the other team you know a guy to like pull him aside and go hey cut the crap like we ain't got time for this no they definitely don't and this is where cleveland's going to need to do and dorsey's a smart enough gm oh yeah that i think that he amongst anybody on that organization will learn from the mistakes of this season and fix things because tell me there is not a more disappointing team this year than the Browns. No, they are the most disappointing team because I think all of us had them making the playoffs, if not winning the division. I can't remember offhand. Yeah. Because on paper, they should have. Between Nick Chubb on the running game, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham on the passing side, you know, along with Baker Mayfield, you know, throwing the ball, you know, that defense was looking not bad. They should have. Now, granted, we didn't know what Lamar Jackson was going to do and put up MVP numbers. But we all knew that, all right, they should be in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. So this is just prime example of what they should do. Will Dallas do the same thing? I mean, Garrett's got to go. I'm looking at his record. Regular season, he's 85-67, and 67, so it's a 559 win percentage. Postseason, he's 2-3. and three. <sighs> That's the that's a big glaring headline right yeah, there. Yeah, like he's been, he's been the head coach there since 2011. And, and how many playoff wins has he gotten you? Two. Yeah. And that's what really counts I mean, when you talk about the good coaches from the great coaches. Yeah. So whatever's going to happen with him in the offseason, I know there's rumor he's going to go to the Giants. I don't necessarily know that's the perfect fit for him, but I think at this stage the Giants need to do something. Yeah. It'd be wild if he wound up in Cleveland. That would be wild. But, like, Pat, you hit it right on the head. They need more than that. They need a strong figurehead at the start of that organization that can really control that team, get the most out of Baker and tell those guys, listen, 6-10 and 10 is what your hype got you. You feel like playing football now? Let's play football. I feel like at the same time, though, okay, if he goes to Cleveland, it's just the same scenario, just minus a good offensive line. Oh, yeah. It's, if Garrett goes there, it's Washburn and Pete. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's why I said they need to go get somebody else. And they don't need Urban Meyer. They don't need some of the other names that have been thrown around. I'm still waiting to hear just like a really good candidate mm-hmm. that emerges. Because you always hear the same names get thrown McDaniels. around. McDaniels. Yeah, McDaniel's, but he's gonna be waiting for Belichick to bow out. So yeah. he's off the market. I don't think uh, anybody from like the Bills organization or the the Ravens are really gonna be right. jumping out right now. Right. I'm trying to think of like some of the other teams that have been rumored. It's it's just very tough to see what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. But overall, though, this season of the NFL, Pat, how would you describe it in one word? Uh, for the Browns, god awful. Yeah. Which I know is two, but. That's that's the truth. But overall for the league, overall for the league, um, fun. You know, there was a. I feel like there wasn't as much expect. I don't even know the word for it, but like, 
I would there wasn't a lot like oh I know each what team is going to win win every week and I kind of know what to expect. There was a lot of unexpected things. I would have to say that it was dramatic. Okay. That I think that it weighed out with a lot of teams surprising and building some stories that you wouldn't think that we'd be talking about. Like the Bills get into the playoffs. Yeah. And I'm not just saying this as a homer pick. I thought they would contend. I didn't think they'd look as good as they are. Who really had San Francisco being the creme de la creme of the NFC? Uh, only those in the San Francisco Bay Area. And what better story this year than Lamar Jackson and the emergence after that abysmal playoff game last year? Yeah. That now he is your clear, clean-cut MVP. Big, oh, tr- yeah. Big Trust is the MVP. Enough said. Drop the mic. Give him give him the awards. Just yeah. Give it to him now. That you see the playoff picture that we have here Definitely different than what we saw at the beginning of the year. Oh, absolutely. But I, like I say, it was dramatic in the good sense. There was a lot of bad drama, too. Yeah. I mean, you, you want to talk AB. You want to talk the ugly incident with the Browns and Miles Garrett. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure I'm missing more just because, unfortunately, it, it, it's what happens. But overall, the drama of the league has carried enough through for the season to make it a very memorable one. What's going to happen in the playoffs this weekend? is anybody's guess, but we definitely want to keep that conversation going. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts of this past week's NFL action and the season in general for the regular season? We definitely want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Liz. Hey, this is Heather. And we are Nerdy Bitches Podcast. A show where two geeky ladies podcast their way through pop culture. From movies and TV to our regular book club and everything in between, we bring you our favorite fandoms with a feminine eye. We are talking Star Wars, Star Trek, DC Marvel, comic books, and anime. And don't forget sci-fi, fantasy, action movies, video games, D&D, board games, and so much more. Be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you find awesome podcasts. You can also find us hanging out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and at nerdybitches.com. See you soon. Hey, this is Mike C. from Horror Zone 607, and you're listening to the ODPH, the most killer podcast on the planet. Coming back for segment number two on this year-end edition of the ODPH podcast. And we have to keep the football talk going, but mm-hmm. let us talk college football. Yeah. Big weekend this past weekend. Who is going to win the national championship? We now know who are in the dance. Yes. That's coming in January. Yes. One very exciting game. One blowout. A uh, barn burner. Yeah, if you want to call it that. Woo. But I think that barn was burned in the first half. Yeah. Uh, ridiculously. So oh, let my it, Lord. Let us jump in there, Pad. You got the stats? Yeah, so, of course, uh, the barn burner we're referring to is the absolute, again, to quote Coach Duffy, whooping that the LSU Tigers put on the Oklahoma Sooners, defeating them by the final score of 63, yes, you heard me right, 6-3 to 28. Joe Burrow, uh, of course, Heisman Trophy winner, uh, 29 of 39 for 493 yards. And I hope you're sitting down when you hear this. Seven touchdowns. That's right. S-E-V-E-N touchdowns. This is not a video game. This was real life. No. It, although if this was a video game, at some point a little pop-up notification would have come up saying, this looks a little bit easy for you. Why don't you try turning up the difficulty? 
Uh, on the flip side, Jalen Hurts, uh, 15 of 31 for 217 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. What can you say about LSU in this game that... Justin Jefferson. Jeez. Enough said. Uh, uh, 14 catches. 14 for 227 yards, averaging 16.2 yards per catch. Four touchdowns. Yeah. My God. This was just ridiculous to watch. They put the, So just for, you know, in case you didn't watch the game... Uh, after the first quarter, it was twenty-one to seven LSU, and then in the in the second quarter, LSU put up twenty-eight. Yeah, and in Oklahoma put up seven. I mean, if hey, congratulations, Oklahoma! You put up seven points in each quarter. You're consistent, you yeah. know. But LSU just put it on a whooping. Oh my lord! Yeah, this was just absolutely ridiculous upon ridiculous. I mm-hmm. mean. What can you really say? I mean, I felt bad for Hertz there. Yeah, oh, for, yeah. For Oklahoma. Yeah, final college game. Final college game, and he, he promised he was going to bring home a national championship, and he did everything in his power, but, man, this is just when you sit back and you're like... And you, and you could tell in the post-game press conference how much it hurt him. That, like, you know, the I think he even said, if I remember right, you know, how much it's going to hurt him, and it's going to stick for him with him for a while because... It's not like in, in gate years past where he lost with it when he was at Alabama because oh hey there's another game coming down the road where you can you can kind of redeem yourself. There's no redeeming this that like this is his swan song for college football. Yeah, no, it was a wrap. And like I said, he did everything in his power he could try doing, but yeah. LSU was just clear cut the better team. Oh yeah, just their receiving core is just absolutely absurd. I mean, you look at just some of the numbers. Uh, Thaddeus Moss, four catches for 99 yards. Terrence Marshall Jr., six catches for 80 yards. Jamar Chase, two catches for 61 yards. You know, just average 30 and a half yards per carry. My Lord. Yeah, when you're doing numbers like this, I mean, who is going to even come close to you? I mean, their top one, two, three, four leading receivers, their longest catch all had first downs three times over. Yeah, and the fact that Burrow had... Seven touchdowns oh. in the first half. Oh. In the first half. Uh-huh. I mean, where where do you go from there? Like uh, try the rushing game. See how it goes. Yeah, and then they could just even for stop fun. Him. Yeah, I mean, he got seven touchdowns and he ran one in, in the second half. Yeah. Like, what are you gonna do? I mean, I obviously this year he's gonna be the number one pick. No, oh, easily. Easily. Like the Bengals have already penciled him in. I and just the only question is when he gets to the pros, can he maintain this run? That's going to be the tough thing. I think the kid is playing great football now, but when you get to the pros and especially the division he's going to go into, yeah, he's got some work to do because they're going to oh, start yeah. him right. They're going to start him right away. Which oh yeah, I think is unfortunate to him because I think if he could actually sit a year and learn behind Andy Dalton, I think that would be, be a, smart. It'd be the smart. That'd be to real do. smart. But we're going to have to wait and see what happens let, there. Let him sit a year. This again is assuming hypothetically if he goes to the Cincinnati Bengals, let him sit here, learn from Andy Dalton, which I, you know, Andy Dalton, not exactly the Aristotle, you know, Nostradamus of you know NFL, but still can teach a guy. He can learn a few things. He, also, get him some other weapons around them to set up for him because AJ Green out for most, if not all, of this year. Right, and then I mean, what's going to happen in his future? Too? Yeah, like this. This is where when you become a pro, it's going to be tough. But Burrow is going to do his thing. I mean, like I said, he's going to give everything he's got. Yeah. I just think that he needs to win that national championship to kind of ease into the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I know that kind of probably sounds a little weird. I know I'm kind of jumping the gun a little bit. But in my opinion, you're going to have a great college career, and your pro career might be a little tough. 
like I say. And this is where your bowl games define you. And, like, what did you win? And Mm -hmm. this is what's going to come down. To put up a performance like you did with seven touchdowns first half. That's insane. And, like I say, you touched upon it too. Justin Jefferson, 222 or 227, rather, and four touchdowns. Uh Uh-huh. Ridiculous. Hey, hey, New England, if he ends up going out in the draft this year, uh, he being Justin Jefferson, go get him. Uh, you can't fault him. No. You can't fault him on that. And like I said, for Hurts, it's bittersweet, but to get out of the shadow of Tua, he took a chance, rolled the dice, got to the playoff game. I yeah. mean, you can't fault him on that. And like I said, he did everything in his power to try winning that game. 217, zero touchdowns, but he ran for Tua. Right, so. and I mean, he had a he had a good year of 3,851 3, yards, uh, good for eighth in college football. 32 touchdowns, which was tied for 11th, and then only eight interceptions, which was tied for 61st. Yeah. Good numbers. Good numbers, and like I said, I think he'll be a very good pro. I don't think oh, yeah. He, I don't think he'll be a great pro, but I think he'll be good. And like I say, he'll be, he'll be that kind of like Joe Flacco level of like, he's very good and he's... You know, elite, but he's not like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees elite. Although, no. who knows? He could prove us wrong. I hope some so, some of these quarterbacks prove us wrong. Like anybody that I kind of rip on in here, I hope they do prove me wrong. Yeah. I'm just giving my opinion as just somebody that sits home and watches the games. So what do I know? But I just sound good when I do it. Either way, like I say, LSU looked like the number one team in the country as they've earned that right. Mm-hmm. Obviously, 63-28 to 28 was a huge, Oof. huge stepping stone. So they got to the dance. They punched their ticket for the national championship. Who is going to go dancing with them, Pat? Uh, that would be the Clemson Tigers defeating the Ohio State Buckeyes in the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl uh, by the final score of 29-3. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, 18 of 33 for 259 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And then Justin Fields, uh, 30 of 46 for 320 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Now, this was more of a game. Uh-huh. And I think that maybe, I think Dog and I were the only people that took Clemson last week. I think so. And I will say this, if we're talking about college quarterbacks that are going to be amazing pros, nobody's coming near Lawrence. What this kid has been doing in such a short amount of time, who has put on that much fire since he's came out? Uh, Very few. I would say the last one maybe, and you can argue about this, was Andrew Luck. Yeah. You could argue that. I mean, I'm not saying... He's going to be identical because I think Lawrence is more of an athletic quarterback than than Luck was at this stage. But I think that going into this, Lawrence needed this win to solidify everything we've known that he he's done. Because he, I mean, sure, you win a national championship behind one of the best teams in the land. Mm-hmm. Congratulations! How can you do it again? The fact that he's punched his ticket to get back there, and like I say. He is arguably the best quarterback in college football. Mm-hmm. Burrow, Burrow is a good quarterback, no question of that. But in my opinion, Lawrence has been the guy for two years now. Well, so, yeah, a word to the wise to the Clemson offensive or the Clemson coaching staff. Uh, when you're going up against LSU, and I'm sure you know this, but, hey, Bears repeating, don't plan for the run. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. They'll bury you. They will bury you. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, going in with this game, a little controversy here and there. Yeah. A little overturn a little calls at late, which you hate seeing. And I know yeah. we, we talked about this a little bit with the Seattle-San Francisco game with the pros, but this is one where you know certain calls did not go the way of Ohio State. Yep. I kind of questioned some of them, but at the end of the day, you do it on the field. And like I said, Clemson hung with them. Yeah. And you just hate to see a game get marred by that. Right. Because that's just not what you really want to do at all, in any which way, shape, or form. And the fact that you have just a questionable call late that, you know, should have gone Ohio State's way. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just, I, 
I don't want to dwell on it too much because I hate saying, okay, one one play will cost you a, a year year. But I mean, you could argue one play cost Ohio State their year when they went for Trevor Lawrence's head. Well, that's another, and, and, and according to Trevor Lawrence, uh, that's what motivated Clemson. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. You you'll see stuff like that happen. But like I know that there's a lot of Ohio State players that were just you know fans rather that were saying, oh well, you know the ref screwed us out of this. No, not really. The fact that you gave up that the ball late, like I said. And you gave Lawrence that much of a chance, and you got him motivated because, yeah, like I said, yeah. when they thought he was going for his head, he took a little chip on his shoulder, and that's what you want to see out of a quarterback. That you want to see some fire that lab the team because, like I said, Clemson did not have the greatest statistic year per no. se. Still undefeated, yeah. So you can't argue that. But like I say, the fact that they hung in there, and like I said, the first half they looked rough. They looked very rough. But when they started making it count late in the second, this is where good teams show up. Like I said, at the end of the game, you don't you just look at the score. You don't really look at how you got there. Mm-hmm. But we're the ones who analyze that stuff. And like I say, there are a lot of questionable penalties. Like I say, and and the one the targeting foul was the one that was really the backbreaker. Yeah, because when you give a team like Clemson that much motivation to get in, you, you can't do that. It's like bulletin board material. You just can't. Mm-hmm. And like I said, they did what they could and. They definitely made some stuff happen, and like you say, you look at that second half, that's where Clemson really came alive. Fields, I mean, he tried hanging in there, but like I say, Lawrence is just a better quarterback, Mm -hmm. and that's going to happen. I mean, when you get picked off with 37 seconds left, what are you going to do? I mean, it's you you can only do so much in your hands. And then that's, like I said, when the plays break down and somebody breaks a route and it just all goes up in smoke. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. But Lawrence, I mean, he showed why he's the number one quarterback that's going to be in the drafted in two years. Not this coming year, but the one after. He is going to be your lock. I can't see how any team passes on him and he's a quarterback. I'm just glad it's not the Bills. The only, the only way I can see, and God forbid something like this actually happens, is unless he gets hurt. Yeah. Like, because you look at the situation like Tua, Tua locked to be number one. No team's going to pass on him if they get the opportunity, and then he gets hurt. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be the one thing. But like I say, I'm just hoping the Bills are not going to be that bad that they need the number one pick. Yeah, I don't think so. That's what I'm saying right now. But for a team that's going to need him, and you could see that if you get him in a situation where you have a stout defense and you need an offensive spark, Chicago comes to mind. Yeah. This is where Lawrence would step up. But now we have our national championship game. Mm-hmm. And like I said, looking at that stat line, Lawrence looked amazing. Oh, yeah. And he showed that moxie that you want to see out of your quarterback, especially when you're going late. This is what you need to do. And this is where this comes into who is going to be the last one standing, Burrow or Lawrence. Like I said, Lawrence does it on the ground, and he does it in the air too, from 259 and, th- and 2, yeah. 7 and 1. This is where quarterbacks step up and really make something happen. Can Burrow outshoot him in the in a, in a shootout? I don't know. I, I I know that this is my way too early prediction, but I'm going to tell you what I think Clemson takes him. Uh, well, let me give you this: uh, as we sit here recording, uh, currently the spread is LSU by five and a half points, and the over under is seventy. Yeah, because they're going to put up some points. I'm taking the over on that one. I t- I'd take the over as well. I, I you know I wonder if Joe Burrow can keep up with uh, Trevor Lawrence. I wonder if the Clemson secondary can keep up with Joe Burrow, and because you saw what those numbers were with that receiving core for LSU against uh, Oklahoma, and just the n- absolute absurd numbers that they put up. 
That's oh. a, this is going to be the telling thing is which defense is going to gas out first. Well, yeah, because that's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, no matter what you want to say otherwise, that's exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be who is going to win that, that late second half because it's going to be a shootout to begin with. And like I say, we have enough time to wait on this. I mean, the mm-hmm. national championship, Monday, January 13th. Yep, so that's New, two weeks away. New Orleans, they got two weeks to rest up. This is where teams are going to be scheming and game planning. And like I say, I'll give you my bold prediction right now. I think Clemson takes this one. Okay. Give me the experienced hand over the young gun. I will always take that. I know Coach Duffy is probably going to listen to this and be screaming from MetLife Stadium when during the middle of his interview. Hopefully he's not listening during the interview. But I could see him going LSU about this one. So you have any feelings off the gate? The way too early prediction, Pat. Uh, one team put up 63 points in video game-like numbers. I'm going LSU. We'll have to wait and see come January 13th, but definitely hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about the Bowl College Series? What do you think about the championship teams? Do you think LSU and Clemson is going to be a great game? And who you got in this one? We definitely want to know. So hit us up. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for segment number three on this year-end edition of the ODPH podcast. And let's talk some wrestling. Wrestling. Let's let's run those ropes, shall we? Now, this week is a big week. If you are listening to 3FNW, which I actually was guesting on with Rich from uh, 3FNW. Shout out to Rich Run and hashtag Big Nanny Cool. Hashtag challenge accepted. Hashtag I can't keep saying them. Otherwise, we're going to be here another 25 minutes and we can't get to the segment. The one and only Big Nanny Cool himself, Diesel. I've guessed it on the show, the the show we Rich and I kind of deep dived into about the significance of January 1st. Now, this weekend is New Japan Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Kingdom, which is going to be one of the biggest pay-per-view events, or biggest events of wrestling, should I say, rather. Say so a rather interesting match in that with an interesting stipulation. Yes, which is going to kind of tie into what we're talking about here, per se. Mm-hmm. And that is January 1st, AEW is touting a live show called Homecoming, mm-hmm. which they're going back to Jacksonville, Florida, where it all started, pre, per se, way back when, earlier this year in 2019. Yep. And they're running unopposed, except they are facing a NXT pre-tape show. We think. Yeah, this could be the year-end edition. Uh-huh. So, obviously, you have all the exciting live action of AEW against a year year-end awards, probably some pre-tape matches. It's not a live show that we can definitely guarantee about. So, Pat, let me ask you this question. Okay. Because Rich and I talked about this on the episode. So, uh, Three Fat Nerds pod at Twitter and definitely download the link when the episode drops. For AEW to tout this to be a success because the ratings have been back and forth. Yep. They're running unopposed. What do you tout they need to have as a winning score? 
Uh, see, now I know the thing with the you know the, the Wednesday Night War, I guess as it's been yeah. been coined, has been the ratings and who's you know been had the higher ratings. But I think the thing you kind of got to throw that out the window with this week because, like we said, it's a pre-taped year-end show, so it's going to be you know it's probably going to be a, a, a few lookbacks at some memorable matches or some memorable moments and some memorable feuds and and you know they're going to give out their awards that they've been really promoting on their social medias. You know, so going up against a live AEW Dynamite show. Mm. So it's going to be kind of hard. I would say maybe throw out that comparison for the week because, well, if it was going up against a normal NXT that was live, then I'd be like, all right, no, yeah, you got to look at the numbers for this because this is going to be a statement. But I think that being the case that it's not, you know, a live NXT, I think you got to look at they would have to crack at least a million viewers. That you're 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 promoting this on all of your social as this is the homecoming edition. You've I've even seen a couple wrestlers uh, talking about how they're going out for maybe a cardio work. I think it was maybe Scorpio Sky or, or something like that. Like going out, going oh, it's it's a uh, uh, going out for some cardio workout before I get ready for homecoming. That like you got some of their talent using the hashtag homecoming and, and the, like you're really promoting this thing as as hard and full press as you're going with this. You got to crack at least a million. I agree. I think that they have to hit a million on this. Like, cause the way the perspective I took it when I was talking with rich about this on the three FNW, I feel that they need to have a separate, like it has to be a very distant win. If you're going to compare them to a or NXT this week, mm-hmm. that they need to beat NXT in the ratings by 300,000, because if they lose to a tape show or they are too close, stick a fork in them. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? Like, I, I agree. Like, I, I think that a, that's a telling sign that AEW is going to be in serious trouble. Mm-hmm. That if you can't crush a tape show and you are touting you have the best athletes in all pro wrestling and you have the best show, and like, say, take nothing away from the in-ring work. The in-ring work is fine, in my opinion. The production is an issue that they still haven't fixed. And JR, I'm sorry, JR is killing me on commentary. Like, he's uh, he needs to be on a tape show. Mm-hmm. Like he, I'm sorry, just at this stage, in my opinion, he's not good live. But for AEW to succeed, like I think we touched upon it, they have to hit a million views at least, and they have to beat in comparison to NXT by three hundred thousand. They they can't, it can't be they won by five thousand. If they did that, it's a wrap. So let's break down this card, shall sure. we? Sure. All right. So the first match that I am seeing on here for the breakdown is a rematch. Of Cody Rhodes versus Darby Allen. Uh-huh. Now, now, this is one that, if you haven't been following AEW, this actually has a little story behind it. That way back when uh, Darby Allen debuted, he actually wrestled Cody to a time limit draw. Right. And they kind of put that storyline on the back burner for reasons. Recently, they've developed a kind of storyline that Allen was Cody's tag team partner with the stipulation if they had won and he helped him out of his mess, he got his rematch. Mm-hmm. Any feelings on this pad, would you say? Uh, definitely going to be interesting to see because, like you said, the first time they fought, they fought to a time limit draw, so it's kind of hard to say who came out the better man or who came out on top. So it's going to be interesting to see how it goes this time. Yeah, I agree. I think that this one could be in Allen's favor. He has definitely grown on me and grown on the wrestling audience mm-hmm. that he's coming out. He's emerging as one of the biggest stars in AEW, and he has a very unique gimmick and a very unique look. He's winning people over. I yeah. have no issue with that, and I, I think it plays in his favor. So the next match I have up is for the AEW Women's World Championship. Mm-hmm. Now, this one is very different because the number one contender 
is actually wrestling at bar wrestling that night, hmm. which is another situation which if AEW is to succeed, you they have to get better about this and get organized and have one figurehead overseeing everything that if you're letting your independent uh, wrestlers come in that you, you just signed, yeah, you can't announce that you're going to have a title match yeah, and they're not there to wrestle. So they're kind of making it up covering time this week. Uh, women's champion Riho is wrestling Nyla Rose, who's back from the suspension she was put on. Uh, facing Britt Baker, also taking on uh, Shidia. So this one, I I have high hopes for. I think it'll be good in ring work. Mm-hmm. But my question is, do you think the loss of the number one contender that you were hyping up has really hurt matters or helped them? Uh, I would say it probably hurt them a little bit. Yeah, I, I think so, too, because Chris Statlander not being there, especially after you've been kind of building it up that she got her title match and uh-huh. she earned it, I, I just think it's it's just it's a weird situation. But I think that if anything that we have seen in wrestling, if something happens, this is time for somebody else to show up yeah. and really stand out. I mean, Sheeta could do it, Nyla Rose. It'd be a great story, too, for Britt Baker. So this one could be a little stealer on the on the card, which, mm-hmm. like I say, I'm really kind of waiting to see what we get out of this one because, like I said, without Statlander there, it's like, why, yeah. You yeah. Know, why do the hype? Yet again, another issue I have with the production, but I digress. Next up, uh, we have Sammy Guevara versus Dustin Rhodes. Uh, a little payback for a storyline that happened earlier with Cody facing the inner circle and yep. – uh, this is kind of more of a continuation of it. Any feelings on this one, Pat? Uh, this is going to be hard-hitting. Uh, Sammy Guevara's got no love lost for, you know, the Rhodes family, as it were. And and obviously Dustin's got a bone to pick with him, for, given for everything that's going on between Sammy and his brother uh, Cody. This one's going to be real stiff. Not not unintentionally so. I think they're going to both go into agreement. All right, let's, let's have a good match, but also let's, let's throw a few stiff ones. Well, you know, this one is going to be just fun for me. I'm a, I'm a huge Sammy Guevara, Mark. I've been following him since Russell Circus mm-hmm. uh, when he wrestled with our good friend George Gatton. Uh, Sammy's got all the tools to really break out and step up, and I think him being with Chris Jericho has only helped his confidence and really he's set for a breakout year. Dustin, who ironically is the reason Cody does not own the name Dusty Rhodes yeah. in copyright reasons. Yeah. Which, I mean, Pat, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so Cody uh, was attempting to get the copyright claim to uh, Dusty Rhodes' name, and understandably so. It's his father. Uh, was not able to get so, although through no, re- you know, he was able to get the, they were able to get the copyrights to some of the old WCW um pay-per-view titles you know i forget the list but i read it was reading a few early i think bash at the beach was one of them mm. there was slam anniversary i think was another one of them or something like that but was not able to get the dusty roads copyright not through anything vince mcmahon or anybody over at wwe did no it's just the simple fact that dusty roads <laughs> is too close in spelling and pronunciation and everything else in the english language to dustin Rhodes, which Dustin Rhodes has that, that copyright. So was not able to get it. There's a whole couple of recourses they could go through. They could make uh, an appeal or they could go some other routes, but remains to be seen what they'll do. Yeah, I thought for the longest time Cody had said he had the, the rights. So. Well, he had, to, I think to Rhodes he might, but to Dusty specifically, no. Yeah, see, I'm not really sure, but I just thought it was kind of copyright's wild. weird. Yeah, when I heard it. So obviously, this one it's gonna be a fun match. Uh, I like Sammy in this one. If I gotta make a choice, then we go to what I think is going to maybe have an effect over in Wrestle Kingdom, mm-hmm. and this is 
on storyline purposes for AEW, Chris Jericho, the champion, has offered John Moxley a spot in the inner circle. Yep. So both of those gentlemen have matches this weekend in uh, New Japan's uh, Wrestle Kingdom. I'm wondering if this is going to have any factor of going in with this because, Pad, you know that there is a certain stipulation that Chris Jericho threw out? Yeah, so there's a stipulation that I forget who he's facing this weekend. Uh, Tanahashi. Tanahashi, thank you, uh, this weekend uh, at Wrestle Kingdom where I think it was initially thrown out by you know his challenger that, oh, hey, if I beat him, I should get an AEW uh, title match. And lo and behold, that is the case, that if he beats Chris Jericho this weekend at Wrestle Kingdom 12, he will get a future date, uh, because I can't imagine it'll be like, you know, the following Wednesday on on a Dynamite. You know, he will get a future title shot for the AEW World Championship against Chris Jericho, which is interesting. This is interesting on a lot of different levels, and I'm just very curious of if there is an actual working relationship between... All Elite Wrestling mm-hmm. and New Japan, because memory serves me right, they are not on good terms. Yeah, you know, I could. Well, considering the Bucks and Kenny Omega and a lot of their star power left for AEW, right? I can't really see them being too cool about playing ball with them. But then again, they do have a good working relationship with Chris Jericho. He is going to be featured on their show, which I mean, that's a huge move too. And then John Moxley, who. This could get really interesting for him because I could see some shenanigans, and I hope not. I, mm. I, I want to stress this. I hope we don't see anything AEW-related on New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom should just be kept to be Wrestle Kingdom. I don't want to see anybody run in and kind of do some weird stuff, but Moxley is going to be facing Lance Archer in the uh, IWGP United States Championship Texas Deathmatch. Oh, Lord. That's a mouthful. Yeah, which, I mean, that's going to be absolutely psychotic. And then the next night, should Moxley win, he has double duty, and he has to face Juice Robinson, which they have a history over New Japan with. Yeah. So my question is, one, do you really think that there is a working relationship with Chris Jericho? And uh, or AEW and New Japan, Pat. I think there wasn't before because it very much like I remember when AEW first happened, and you know Jericho was still working with New Japan. I feel like it was a very much okay. You know they exist, we exist. We're gonna live and let live. They weren't exactly working together. I think you know somebody probably on the New Japan side of things, a wrestler over in New Japan, probably stepped in. You know be the cooler head in the room and, and maybe, and, you know, maybe time ultimately prevailed and cooler heads prevailed, you know, wait and see, you know, it's one match. It might be easy to do a burn off one match. Okay. You're going to go over, you're going to wrestle, you know, it could be like anytime you go to an indie federation and you see, you know, somebody from like a CZW or, you know, a PWG or something like, like, and they come in and they're defending, like, let's just say it's the PWG champion and they come into your local uh, indie fed and they're defending the PWG championship. Odds are they might not win it, you know, per se. It's just, oh, hey, we're going to come and we're going to defend, but we're going to fight for the belt, but I'm going to win it because, hey, I'm the champ and that's the agreement. But we'll see. I think Jericho's throwing something against the wall. I think this is all for smoke. This is all smoke and mirrors. That I don't think there's any worry. Because if Tanahashi, he, if he wants to come over and, and wrestle Chris Jericho in the States, that'd be huge. Yeah. Huge. I just, I just, I can't see it happening right now, but 
if you see some weird shenanigans happen on Russell Kingdom, and they, in effect, if they even allude that they're going to Russell Kingdom this sure. weekend, uh, I'm going to say something weird is in the water. And I'm, I'm not doubting that something possibly got worked out, but man, I, I just I don't I just don't see it. I don't see it on a lot of different levels. And what will be even more the telling sign is uh, Kota Ibushi is wrestling for Okada for the world title. That'll be good. On Wrestle Kingdom, uh, Kenny Omega has vowed to walk out with Ibushi. <laughs> so wait and see for that one. Yeah. I mean, you should just be watching Wrestle Kingdom because it's awesome. It's gonna be it's arguably the biggest event in pro wrestling behind WrestleMania. Yeah, no, it is. So you should be watching it anyway. But to see all the AEW news, uh, we'll definitely be talking about it on 3FNW next week. And maybe we'll have to throw a little blog up action too here on the ODPH. I don't know. But like I'm just waiting to see if this actually has some merit. And I'm just I, I don't see it. But I digress. And to kind of round out the action, Moxley has a match before he's going to New Japan, which I don't know how smart that is. He's facing Trent from the best friends. It's a long flight. It's a long flight, so hopefully he doesn't do anything too super crazy on the show and, and get injured before the match because that will not fly over there. And I'll be, obviously, him wrestling a Texas death match over there. Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't come back injured. We'll say, uh, Renee Young, you probably might not want to watch. Yeah, that's going to be a very brutal watch. Um, and they're also telling a couple that Taz is going to make a guest appearance doing something. There's rumors of him becoming the AEW commissioner. I can't see them doing this. Uh, that because I know that was a thing. They, want, again, wanted to tell the, they're the alternative from WWE. The, you know, if you don't like what WWE is doing, watch our product. So they're, you're telling me they're going to go ahead and do what WWE did for the last, what, three, four, five years? Yeah. Really? Like I said, I hope he makes a guest appearance and takes over the role. And if you want to give that role to JR and JR can do tapes, segments yeah i'm there i'm there all all the time just i'm I'm sorry jr just is not sounding like jr in the show when he's live anymore and i mean they do tell that mjf's going to make an appearance which like let him on the mic yeah let him on the mic and let him do something like yeah water's wet mjf's going to be at AEW. we all know it just wait mjf's gonna be at AEW? no yeah it's like i you don't have to really tell me roman reigns is gonna be on friday night smackdown yeah it's just no let, kidding. Let him lose on the mic and give him an actual storyline to roll with, because Cody's tied up in like three right now. It's like yeah. it's so messy. And to round out the action, you have the elite Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus Pac and the Lucha Brothers. That'll be good. That'll be a fun match. That'll be a barn burner. That's this is why you watch because the in ring work is amazing. So between these guys, they're going to do something crazy. Maybe a ladders come out. Who knows? I mean, there's just... no. Well, listen, it's the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks. There's no maybe in that statement. Yeah, the ladders are coming out. Yeah, something wild will happen on this. So that being said, Pad, we've talked about the entire card that we know of. Mm-hmm. Do you think this can definitely get drawn a million? Um, maybe it'll it'll be hard to say just because it's New Year's Day. People might be a little hungover. Might be having a few extra parties. And and I'll be honest, while there are certain things that jump out to me, it doesn't like for me, it kind of jumps like, all right, I'll tune in for the, the tag match with, the, you know, the elite and then Pac and Lucha Bros. But the rest of it will just kind of like, all right, what else? You know, flip over to Netflix or something like that. It, it's hard to say. Like, they're, I feel like they're not giving you enough star studded. Like, they're not making it kind of like how the first NXT was on TV, where that was like that was that was a takeover. Mm-hmm. They need to do that. But for them, you know, not I'm not saying make it a takeover because it's whole different company but make it like a pay-per-view where they're like this is a can't miss event that hey we're giving to you for free yeah they got they definitely got to do something i mean that's all there is to it and for me i'm gonna say they don't hit a million 
I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say 800,000. I'll give them that, that they can hit that mark. And I think NXT is going to draw 450,000. So prove me right, AEW. I'm challenging you. Because if not, you're true TV bound because you're going to be off TNT if you can't I'll draw say, those just, just for you know argument's sake, this is what else they would be going up against. Uh, they would be going up against the tail end of the uh, bowl game, college bowl game between number six, Oregon, and number eight, Wisconsin. Uh, and then you've got the, uh, which I believe the first that game was the uh, Rose Bowl. And then you've got the All-State Sugar Bowl taking place at 845 between number five, Georgia, and number seven, Baylor. Just well, what, what, what they're going up against. Yeah, so obviously they got a little challenge ahead of them. But I mean, that's nothing really super crazy. I don't think they could really sway them on the ratings. But if you're touting yourselves as the number one programming that you can watch on Wednesday night, you're facing a taped year-end award show. Yeah. Prove us wrong. Prove that you were the show to watch. The ratings will say it. And then, you know, let's see what uh, social media has got to say after that. So we just broke down what we think of AEW. But, Pat, let me, since I got you on the show, okay. let's talk a little uh, overall wrestling. I mean, sure. Now, we did, uh, Rich and I did a breakdown of certain topics, uh, categories for, I guess, our year-end awards. Sure. So I'm just going to throw you three because I definitely want to get your opinion. I want to get sure. Coach Duffy's opinion when he returns. Uh Hopefully he does after his press conference as the New York Giants head coach. So let me ask you this. Favorite match of the year? Uh, probably, hands down, got to be the uh, two out of three falls match between Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole at uh, take, TakeOver New York. Okay. Where, where Gargano uh, won the title. You know, just absolutely insane match that you knew how it was going to go in terms of like, all right, we're going to get one fall to one guy, another fall to another guy. And then the third falls where it's all going to go bonkers, and that was absolutely what it was. All right, fair enough. I actually had the same match too. I know you ever heard the episode, but I actually said the same thing. So let's throw another topic at you. Sure, male wrestler of the year. Um, I would have to say probably Adam Cole. Just from everything, like I knew who he was, and I was a big fan of his. But just the body of work he's put in this year, and the title defenses, and just kind of the, you know, the the year of gold, if you were, if you will. You know, with everything Undisputed's done and just kind of like building himself really is from the, okay, everyone's excited for this guy. I mean, go back to looking how he debuted at, what was it, TakeOver Chicago last year, I want to say, you know, or whatever year it was. And just, okay, everyone was excited, but just to go in is like, all right, you're you're the new hot, you know, shiny toy that everyone wants to see and play with. But now he's arguably the guy on that brand. Yeah. And lastly, female wrestler of the year. Uh, might be cliche to say it, but I'm going to say Becky Lynch. I mean, you just look at what she did this year and just, you know, went from, okay, everyone's excited to see her at the Survivor Series. I want to say that was, you know, two years ago now where, or whatever it was to, okay, she goes from that to just the hottest item on the planet that you go from, okay, you're putting Roman on the cover of the video game to, okay, no, yeah, we got to put them both on the cover because she's the hottest thing going like you know, she's as hot as any other superstar on that roster. See, I took Shayna Baszler. Okay. That, we we're two out of three correct on this. Uh, for me, though, I, I, I don't fault the Becky Lynch thing. I think what killed me for her, though, this summer was the whole Rollins, yeah. Lacey Evans, Baron yeah. Corbin, yeah. weird, like we're really going to force our personal lives down yeah. the throat. I mean, but for me, that was kind of like a dip in the, th- in the whole thing. But yeah, I just think back to that whole build up to Mania and just she could do no wrong. Oh, yeah. She could walk into the she could walk into, you know, the garden at, in Boston and say the Red Sox suck. The Yankees are better and she'd get cheered. 
by a by a by a minority. But yes, no, she no. I think in that build up hype to WrestleMania and how big she was and how over she was, she could have walked. She could have walked into San Francisco and said the Raiders are better. All right, I'll buy that one. I said Boston. I don't know that. It's close, though. I mean, she would get some noise. No, I have to agree. I mean, like, there was no real, like, right or wrong answer with that one. Because, I, like I said, Becky Becky is, like, my 1B about this one. Sure. I just thought Baszler stood out for what she did in NXT. And, plus, I thought Survivor Series week, she really cemented herself. Mm-hmm. And now that she's lost the title Ripley, I think she's on her way up to the Rumble. And I think she's going to win the Women's Rumble. And then she fights Becky at Mania. Probably. Which, uh, take my money now. Yeah. I, I am all in for so, for more wrestling discussion, though, definitely 8122productions.com. Keep an eye out for 3FNW this week. I'm on it with Rich, and we're just breaking down the year end. We're talking Wrestle Kingdom. There's a lot going on there, so make sure to subscribe to that so you don't miss an episode. And obviously, hit us up on hashtag ODPH. What was your favorite moments from wrestling this year? And what do you think about AEW going unopposed this week? Can they get over $1 million? Do you think they need to? Why not? Let's have an honest discussion about it. Let's keep it untoxic if we can. Because if it's going to get toxic, I don't want to deal with it. I Sorry. I have no time for toxic Twitter. But I have time to definitely have a conversation with the ODPH Society. So let's do it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. These days, comic book stories are more mainstream than ever. Unfortunately, not everybody has the means to be able to consume all of this greatness. Well, if you were to join me, Brian Wayne, on the Cheers to Comics podcast, I will help guide you through the rabbit hole that is comic books. Whether you're a brand new reader that just walked out of the latest blockbuster summer Marvel movie event and just have to know the source material, or you're an old dog and just want to get a different perspective from another reader, this is the podcast for you. And when I say comic book podcast, this is a comic book podcast. No filler material. I save all of the the movie talk and all of the stuff outside of the illustrated written world of comic books for all of the other podcasts out there. This is for comic book junkies and aspiring comic book junkies only. So tune in with me, Brian Wayne, three times a week. We'll be going over dozens and dozens of books in an overviewed fashion, not necessarily a review manner. But beyond that, I hype you up every week on the books coming out on the the next week coming, as well as a bonus episode. And that could be anything from me dedicating an entire episode to uh, a single story arc, or potentially even a kick-ass interview with a badass comic book creator. So if any or all of that tickles your little fancies, join me, Brian Wayne, and the rest of Slurred Nation on the Cheers to Comic Podcast as I kick back drinks and drop all types of comic book knowledge. Cheers. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for the final segment on this year-end edition of the ODPH podcast. Pad, local minute, what you got? 
<coughs> excuse me. Well, local minute, of course, we're talking some Binghamton Devils hockey news. Uh, looking back at their games from this past week, uh, looking at their game that took place on Friday, December 27th. They lost in a heartbreaker in overtime, uh, traveling up to Syracuse and losing by the, or excuse me, winning, uh, read that backwards, uh, uh, by the final score of 2-1 to one in overtime. Uh, flipping to their game they had at home on Saturday, they won again by the final score of 2 to nothing, defeating the Rochester Americans. Looking ahead to their games they got this coming week, uh, they've got a New Year's Eve game taking place on Tuesday, December 31st, uh, against the Syracuse Crunch, I should note. Uh, for those of you in the Binghamton area that are thinking of going to this game, it is a 6.05 game time, not 7.05, as is typical. Uh, and then Friday, they've got another home game going up against the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. That game is 7.05. 5 p.m. More information, BinghamtonDevils.com. And we have to say about the Binghamton Bulldogs, uh, Lightning unfortunately struck twice. For the second time this season, they have blown a lead in the fourth quarter. And they now have two losses on the season, losing a heartbreaker to the Camden Monarchs, 101-98 to on Saturday night. Oof. And like I say, they lost a double-digit lead late. Ouch. That is unacceptable. It's not good. That's not that's not good, especially with a very big shadow from upstate lurking over them. Uh huh. January eleventh. So obviously the boys got to do some work. Chris Cartwright had a great game though with twenty six points, but they got to get it fixed in a hurry. This uh, Saturday, January fourth, they're they're traveling. Actually, they're going to the Spa City Gamblers. Okay. Seven o'clock start time, and then Saturday, January eleventh. Coach and I cannot stress this enough. The game that we have had circled on the calendar since it was announced. Binghamton Bulldogs are hosting the Syracuse Stallions. The storylines are all there. It is going to be the most highly talked about game of the Binghamton Bulldogs season. Bar none. Bar none. Even with the Elite Eight coming here to Binghamton and the All-Star game coming in April. No. This is the game everybody's going to be talking about. So that being said, according to the Binghamton Bulldogs Facebook page, the ninth-ranked Binghamton Bulldogs and the fifth-ranked Syracuse Stallions game has only 71 tickets left as of 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Monday. So if you want to go to this game, BinghamtonBulldogs.com has all your ticket information. Clock's a-ticking. The clock is ticking. They're not selling them at the door. So if you want to get a ticket, you got to go early. Coach and I and the dog have our tickets. Ooh. There's a few other people that said they got to step their game up. So I'm telling you right now, step that game up because this is going to be the most highly anticipated game. The most heart is going to be left on the court. Binghamton and Syracuse, this is rivalry. This is on a lower scale, Boston, New York. Very much lower scale. Very much lower scale. This is Ohio State, Michigan. Very much lower scale. <laughs> North Carolina and Duke. On a very much lower scale. Yeah. But this is still going to be an absolute leave it on the court, put up or shut up. It's going to be the Northeast version of the Lakers and Celtics. Yeah, okay, maybe not. It's going to be a, it's going to be a wild night. It's going to be a great night of basketball. Like I say, it's just the Bulldogs got to get that momentum because, like I say, they had, when they have teams on the ropes, they got to close it. And you can't go in with a bad loss to face Syracuse. Because Syracuse is coming in with bulletin board material. They're ready to go. 
This is going to be a very personal game. Mm-hmm. So definitely BinghamtonBulldogs.com for more information. Get your tickets if you can make it because it is going to be one hell of a night. And uh-huh. we also have to plug this Saturday, January 4th, Excite Wrestling returns to the X at the Oakdale Mall. Cage match, mm-hmm. match remount versus stockade. It's going to be a great night of indie wrestling. So if you can make it down, definitely get down there. Go see Johnny Moose. Uh, I'm sure you're going to see some wild action happen Saturday yeah. night. You might see me flip out because I'll be watching the Bills game from my phone. <laughs> um, so I'll be in the crowd going absolutely bananas. Uh, ExciteWrestling.com for more information on that. I got to talk to Moose about hooking up the game on the video Titantron. <laughs> I'm going to make. I'm going to put it out there. We'll see what happens. It's going to be a sellout crowd too. So get your tickets early as well. So we don't have any locks and leaps anymore. No. I mean, we can do it for playoffs. Nope. But Pat wants his chip championship. Two yeah. Tom. Yep, we are. We I'm taking care of that as well. I need to talk to Rich from Three FN because we came up with an idea. I just need to run it by him. Okay. To finalize it to make this happen for you. So, uh, any victory speech you want to say? Uh, I thank all the little people for letting me get here to where I am. I want to thank uh, Coach Belichick for teaching me the ways of defeating my opponents ruthlessly uh, through ruthless aggression, uh, and uh, opponents. Come at this chip next year. Although I want to be a three-time, I want to, I want to join the five-time club. Well, Pat, I'm I've already told you what I'm thinking about doing, so I guess maybe we'll we'll kind of tease it a little bit more. I have figured out a way that we can invite some more of our podcast friends to get in on locks and leaps without going absolutely crazy and driving <laughs> driving me insane taking stats. This is true. So I've already thrown out one feeler to uh, Brian from Cheers to Comics, which I guested on his year-end show this week. Uh, definitely go check that out. Cheers to Comics is an amazing podcast if you're into comic books. We'll have the link up on the ODPH uh, homepage very, very shortly. If not, at OD Parlay Hour, you can find the retweets. They're all over the place because it's that good of an episode. Uh, Brian might be joining us for Locks and Leaps next year, along with some other indie podcasts, but it's by invitation only. So our fellow indie pods, if you are interested in doing some Locks and Leaps, just start interacting with us and let me know, and I'll definitely uh, see what hap- who makes the cut next year. So, oh, and I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Tom Brady. All right, that's it. I'm definitely making this happen. <laughs> I don't want to hear the pad three-peat speech. But uh, congratulations, sir. Thank you, sir. You, you definitely did your thing. And obviously, Locks and Leaps is not easy to win, let two alone time. two times. Twice in a row. So like I said, uh, I have something cooking in the wind, so stay tuned for that next year. But we have to talk about this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to say year in review. Yes. So we'll do that because the coach isn't here. We'll definitely, if we're going to do any wild card picks this weekend, we'll post them up on a, on a blog. I'll throw them up on a blog this weekend. Year in review, 2019, year of sports, absolutely a crazy year. Any one moment you say is your is your like most memorable sports moment? Um, I would say, obviously, the Patriots winning the Super Bowl was a very memorable moment for myself because, yes, I know it was the sixth time I've gotten to see it, but it was the least stressful of the six. Yeah, I will say this. I've you know, even the two they've lost that I've been fortunate enough or unfortunate enough, I guess I should say to watch, you know, the three. Now that I think of it, Lord, I you see I blank them out of my memory and I just forget how many times I've lost in the Super Bowl. They, <laughs> they, they've all been like you could sit there and if there was like a camera trained on my head and you slow it down into like super slow motion, I'm pretty sure you would have been able to see the gray hairs coming in throughout the course of the, you know, the two Giants games and then the Eagles game, you know. But obviously, the the Patriots winning the Super Bowl is one, and then I th- I think the other one that might be even more is 
uh, going to a Yankee game this past year where they were playing the Arizona Diamondbacks in, I want to say it was July or maybe August. I can't remember. And, you know, getting to, oddly enough, no, yeah, it was, it was the end of July. It was the day of the trade deadline because I got to see Zach Granke's final start with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And then he got pulled and promptly traded to the Houston Astros. So that was, that was a wild moment to sit there, you know, cause we were sitting on the field level seats and we could look up and see the TVs were, which had the yes broadcast and they were showing footage of Zach Greinke and his wife or whoever was with him leaving through the bowels of Yankee stadium as he got after he got traded to the Houston Astros. So that was wild. But I think the bigger moment for me with that was I brought my girlfriend with me to the game, which she'd never been to a professional baseball game. She'd been to the, she'd been to a bunch of rumble ponies games and she loved going, but she'd never been to a major league stadium. So getting to bring her and my brother and just having a great day to watch the Yankees win, you know, and, and getting to see a lot of home runs. It was, it was a lot of fun. You know, for me, the biggest sports moments are like the ones when you're surrounded by family and friends. Yes. And you have that interaction. And, like, obviously the Super Bowl this year, we had a great party. The yeah. VPH Super Bowl party was awesome. Um, obviously the Patriots winning was not my, you know, favorite moment. But, hey, I give the Devils their due every time. You know, the Patriots did their thing. They shut down the Rams. What was better, that or the halftime show? Ooh, that's a good question. Because <laughs> even I'll admit, <coughs> the halftime show was bad. I believe we were watching NXT, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we were. Yeah. Yeah, we were. I've already blocked that out. See, most of that game I blacked out, and I blocked out the halftime show. But NXT was on point that night, though. Um, but I would have to say, like, for me, one of my favorite sports moments of the year had to be when we were over at Dragon Master Games with 3FN, mm-hmm. Rich Ron, and, and Diesel, and I believe Dog was there. I can't remember if Lamar Hawkins was there from Excite Wrestling or not. And Jorge Masvidal with the knee shot around the world. Yeah. Knocking out Ben Askren. Yeah. And seeing everybody lose their mind. Like Mm. you heard everybody put their phones down and just go, oh, and just everybody lost it. And I... Like I think we all got on Twitter and we just were just like retweeting uh-huh. that knockout. Oh yeah, we night. were. Yeah. Um, and I mean that was just a cool moment. Uh, not if you're a Ben Askren fan, but it's yeah. just um, apologies, apologies. But that was just a cool moment, just interacting and like we all get together to watch the fights. We always say hashtag six or seven podcast is not a gimmick. We actually all do hang out. Um, so that was a great moment. Um, and I, I guess like another great moment was Toronto winning the NBA title. Yeah. Because obviously with Kawhi going to Toronto, there's a lot of speculation. LeBron was no longer with Cleveland or in the East. So what was going to happen there? And just to kind of see how the city of Toronto rallied around. Yeah. The Raptors. Which yeah. You've never known the Raptors to be well, like a, a, a basketball powerhouse. Yeah. And not even just the city of Toronto, like all of Canada. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, yes, obviously Toronto rallied around that team very much so. But even just those in, like, the other provinces up in Canada, that they, it was just kind of like the entire country was rooting for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was just something to see. I mean, Drake was doing his thing. I mean, Jurassic Park out there. Oh, and, God, yeah. And, you know, that. Drake whole, was on another level. Yeah, he, I mean, that, but that's what you want to see because a lot of times. We always see celebrities being cool at games, yeah, and not getting yeah. getting excited and not being fans. Like they're all there for photo shots, mm-hmm. you know. To see like Drake go out and go crazy and and bring home the chip and just reignite a town that obviously it's been a while since the Blue Jays had won the belt. Yeah, Blue Jays. It was the ninety three ninety four season, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 
I mean, to see how that happened and just see how the city and country really rallied around it and just the just the action because, I mean, they on paper they shouldn't have done it. Right. But they did. Yeah. And, like, that's the coolest thing about it. And, I mean, even taking a look to, like, that was a great moment to see. And then even with the St. Louis Blues winning the Stanley Cup. And yeah, what they were, oh, yeah, that and, run. And what they did for that young fan. Oh, who, yeah, who's, yeah. Who's been uh, with the illness there. That was just heart just how do you not get choked up and just emotional? Yeah. Just, you understand how sports can really keep somebody motivated and keep somebody, you know, joy and just see their team and just be so much of a fan with all the stuff that goes on in everyday life. And just to see just like the, the how the team reacted with her and flew her out to the yeah. game. Yep. And, you know, just that she got to hold the Stanley Cup. Got to hold the Stanley Cup. Got a ring of two, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. They I mean, gave her a championship ring, which was like as big as her fist. Yeah. I mean, it was just so much of a great moment just to see how they react with their fans. And just obviously it was incredible. And just to see at home and watch it, like, how do you not get choked yeah. up watching? And that, that, to me, was just like, this is why I love sports. And this is why you have to get there and you just absolutely, you know, really, you know, just get embraced with it and just see how it's connecting. Because to see that she was 11 years old yeah, and, you know, Layla um, was her name, or is her name, rather. And, I mean, just fighting the, you know, a uh, life-threatening illness. Mm-hmm. And just to see, like, her biggest thing is just supporting her team. Yeah. And it's like, man, just to see that moment where they say, thank you for being such a fan, and they give her own ring, and she gets to hold the Stanley Cup. That is why you are into sports, and that's what really it hits home. And, like, everything about that was just an amazing moment. I got to say the other one that stuck out for me, too, was, you know, it's kind of like a two-part thing. The first part being the night when Roman Reigns announced on uh, Raw that he had – cancer and it had, it had come back and i was doing something else when that was going on and you texted me that and i remember like laughing like yeah right this is a joke and then you're like no it's serious and then i looked at the television and i'm like oh my god no it's true and then on the flip side for him to come back and say hey you know we didn't just swing for the fences we hit a home run i'm in remission because he had leukemia i've known somebody who fought leukemia and lost mm. and, and i know how hard that is for anybody of any age, child, you know, adult, senior citizen, what it's like for them to go through leukemia. And the person I know fought it twice, beat it the first time, lost the second time. I know how hard that is for them at any age to see him come back and go, hey, we beat it. You know, I beat it. Thank you, everyone. That was just awesome. Yeah, because I remember when that first came out, like people were thinking it was a rumor and like a right. bad joke that you know the internet runs with. Because unfortunately, you have assholes like that on the internet. Mm-hmm. And like I said, when I texted you, you're like, you're like, what are you kidding? I'm like, no, I'm like, no, this is dead serious. Like he is actually sick. And obviously, you know, being somebody that's lost somebody to cancer, you know, this to see somebody come and just absolutely fight leukemia and kick its ass and and fight back from diseases that you know, are absolutely hell to go through and just see how the reaction of the fans were to him succeeding and beating that disease. I mean, that's just, like I say, it's one of those moments that just really, it hits you and reminds you of like sports are one thing, but being just humans and caring about other humans is another. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we need more of that in 2020, more caring, less bullshit, less toxicity. Yes. So that being said, Uh, The music you hear on the show is out of Fair City Fire. 
Brian Wolf came into town this past weekend and absolutely killed it. Did a great rendition of Born to Run by The Boss. Yeah, he's that was great. He said he's got some music coming out along with New Fair City Fire coming out in the next year. They have a lot going on. FairCityFire.com or just swing through OchoDuraParleyHour.com slash music. You can find out about them. You can find out about Shout at the Robots, one of the best bands on the planet, and they're even better human beings. I cannot speak highly enough about the four of those guys. They are so willing to allow everybody that's down with the Hashtag 67 Podcast to use their music, and whatever we need of them, they're always like they drop what they're doing to help us out. Shout of the Robots is poised to have a big year in 2020, and I cannot wait to see them absolutely tear the fucking roof off the place when they just take over 2020 because it's going to happen. Same thing with Floodlands. Those guys are amazing. That they're actually due to come back on the ODPH relatively soon. Okay. We I, I can't confirm an official date, but I have talked to Jimmy, and Jimmy I know wants to come back. It's just a matter of getting everybody's schedule aligned because right now is very crazy for us here at the ODPH. A little bit. And crazy for Floodlands because they are booking a lot of shows in the upcoming year. But those guys are always welcome to come through. In fact, I want Tom to come in and actually talk some hockey. He is a big Rangers fan along my levels. Uh, so if you're not a Rangers fan, you might want to tune out that episode. Hmm. I will give fair warning about that because we will just go into it and let alone if they ever get to the playoffs, it's going to get very ignorant on the show. Uh, but you can also find out about Honker, Walking Distance, all the great bands that have allowed us to use the music over the year. Uh, we can't thank them enough. You can also check out uh, the ODPH directory, all the great friends of the ODPH that we try promoting, like Excite Wrestling, shout out to Johnny Moose, Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, who is going to be back on uh, the ODPH in January uh, when we decide to start talking Crisis on Infinite Earths recap and a couple other ideas we have coming down the pike. So Tom's going to be swinging through here a little bit more often next year. Um, and obviously, if you haven't checked out his YouTube channel, you need to check it out. Uh, shout out to Mike Blakesley, our uh, ODPH photographer extraordinaire. And he also does his uh, cosplay photography business. His links are up there on the social media, so you definitely want to go check that out. And obviously, our hashtag 607 podcast brethren, Rich Ron and Diesel, who had a fantastic 2020. And Mike's, 2019, you mean? Or 2019, but it's going to be 2020. It's just going to carry over. I'm blending years because it's all one continuous blend for me. But 2019 was their year, and to see the success they, those guys did, they absolutely killed it this year. Scaracon, Sci-Fi and Horror Fest. Robocon, which we shut that place down. Uh, shout out to Nat from Artifacts Podcast. I know she listens to the show. Um, you know, that was an absolute blast. And of course, New York Comic Con as well. But see what 3FN has done and Horizon 607 uh, with Mike C. I mean, they've had a great year. So you can find their social media links and everything that is 8122 Productions on the ODPH directory, especially their Patreon, which, Pad, mm-hmm. if I say Love is Scary, got even more crazy this week. Do you? I, I wish I had a picture right now. Jesus Christ. I can't even advertise what Derek was saying. Two providers have said that I might not be able to have the UDPH on if I do talk about them. So I can't. What I'm going to recommend to you is go on Patreon $1 entry level. It's just $1. And you can hear the absolute masterpiece that is Love is Scary with Dr. Derek and Spooky Mike from Horizon 607. I can't even go into it. I want to. I really do. And maybe if I'm behind a paywall, I can discuss it. But I'm not. Will that change next year? I might have to because I want to talk about this show. Until then, 8122productions.com on Patreon. Go find it. Go sign up. Go join it. It is well worth the time. You can also find it on ODPH. 
uh, or com. Parlay points, our blog section where we have, you know, everybody dropping lines. Uh, dog did not. I'm still waiting on his blog. Mm. So Tales from the Dog is on there. I mean, obviously, Comic Reviews by Brian Rose is on there. We have our occasional blogs. Next year, I think we're getting something from Mike C. from uh, Horizon 607. Ooh, okay. Mike has been promising to do it, and I know Mike listens to the show. So, Mike, I'm putting you on the spot. 2019, I gave you a pass. 2020, not so much, my friend. Brian Cashman doesn't think he'll do it, Mike. Yeah, we'll give you a little extra motivation. So definitely check that out. We're going to be throwing some stuff on there. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll be adding another blog writer to the mix this year. Stay tuned. And obviously on OchoDuroParlayR.com, you can find links to all of our great podcast groups that we are in. So shout out to everybody in Next Wave that has supported us. Wonder Soul, Book of Lies, Cheers to Comics. 30 and nerdy Josh and Tyler, which by the way, uh, we have to book when they're coming back on because they have to come on our show. We have to return that favor. They absolutely did a kick-ass episode with us on it this year, which was one of my favorite episodes we've done. And I know Rich actually threw them the challenge to come on the wrestling show. So that is going to happen. Obviously, I, we just did the show with Brian from Cheers to Comics. Uh, we got to have him on the ODPH as well. I mean, everybody that is in that group is just amazing, and I know I'm going to be forgetting people. So if I do, I sincerely don't mean to leave anybody out. So that's why I say if you just go to Pod or um, Next Wave, you can find all the links to all the amazing podcasts that are in that group that help support the ODPH. And you should also check out Pod Nation. Shout out to Three Hours Later for all the work they do for indie pods. Uh, it goes without saying that they are one of the hardest working group or podcasts out there helping getting everybody promoted everybody getting shout outs everybody getting followers on twitter they did amazing work for us this past week i can't thank them enough and everybody that is in that group uh shout out to legion of indie pods as well too uh pina comics obviously lou and john amazing people uh definitely you gotta check their shows out too and it goes to stratosphere uh shout out to so wizard shout out to colby mac shout out to one movie punch shout out to bill and frankie pop culture shout out to killer rabbit um, I might just have to do a whole shout-out episode, but uh, we'll save that for another time. But basically, for every indie pod that has shown us some love on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, thank you, thank you, thank you, Geek Freaks. Um, I'm going to keep thinking more, so I'm just going to stop it. And if I missed anybody, I sincerely apologize. But if you want to find out about who I missed, go to the links on OchoDuroPolyR.com. Check it out on Podchaser. Support those pods because they are amazing, amazing podcasters that are doing great content each episode out. Pad, anything else you want to close out the show with? Uh, thank you for a great 2019. Here's to a great 2020. And uh, John Calipari, still coaching Kentucky. For Coach Duffy, who's not here, thank you. For Padawan J, thank you as always for the amazing work you've done over the year for Pat, or for the ODPH and many, many more years to come. I am your host, Ken M. Thank you, the listener, who has taken the time out to give us your valuable time, and we hope we have entertained you throughout the year. Shout out to CJH and shout out to Dre. Shout out to Colin. Shout out to everybody in the ODPH Society. We sincerely appreciate you listening to us. That's all I got for this week. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Pale Hour. Happy New Year. We'll see you next time.